These are the Keishi Tapes. You, Man, and Favaz explore the backstories and interviews heard on Keishi, the longest-running rock station in the country. Welcome to the Keishi Tapes podcast. I'm John Hewlett along with... Favaz. And today we're going back in time to 2019. This is an interview that Learn did um, with Rick Wakeman. One of the great names in progressive rock, of course, longtime member of the band Yes, mm-hmm. keyboard uh, player with the Capes. Yes, and I never realized he had the Capes until I saw Anderson. Oh yeah, and uh, who 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 else? Uh, uh, Trevor Rabin and uh, Rick Wakeman. Yeah, yeah, A R W. Yeah, that was it. And mm-hmm. I saw them at the Fox Theater, and uh, he was uh, very entertaining. And um, yeah, I mean, he's he's he's. Uh, He's he's played uh, in town before and after that, and he's a good guy. Yeah, so let's see what this legendary rock and roll figure has to say in this interview with Learn. I've got Lauren from KC Radio in St. Louis. Lauren, take it away. Brilliant. Thank you. Hello, Rick Wakeman. How are you? I'm very well, Lauren. Thank you. How are you? I'm well as well. My uh, co-host is John Hewlett. He's on the line with us as well. Oh, I'm on the line as well. Oh, great. I didn't know. <laughs> I forgot. You're on the line. Let's see. Hi, Rick. Oh, you're there. Hi there. there How are you? Good. Wow. What's going on with my brain? I can't remember anything. Holy cow. Yeah. I remember now, but uh, leading into this, I didn't think I was a part of this. All right. (laughs) Ready to go. You. Here we go. Ready? Yep. Far away. It's the Cajun Morning Rock Show. You man and learn. And we were acting like we were on the air. Or maybe we were live on the air with him. How did I think about it? I don't know. We have a special guest on the phone today. He's the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, the legend, Rick Wakeman. Hi, Rick. Hey, how you doing? Thank you. The, one of the great keyboardists of all time and uh, a man known for his many years with the band Yes. Uh, also, you have your, your solo albums out and you've been putting out albums. you got like something, uh, you know, like, I don't know how many albums you've released over the years. You've been very um, prolific. How does how does one man produce so much music? By the way, he has one album, and that was out called Journey to the Center of the Earth. Mm. Which the whole album was one song. <laughs> and we we would play side one. From we'll be doing that on the seventh day. No. <laughs> Three figures. It's certainly a hundred, hundred plus. Oh, my God. Um, wow. it, it, it's just uh, I just like doing things. So if, if um and if I've got nothing to do, then I'll make some music. <laughs> yeah. And, and Rick is known on Twitter as Grumpy Old Rick. And your <laughs> your tour coming here to St. Louis is uh, the Grumpy Old Rockstar Tour, October the 6th. Yeah, that, that all started in England. There was a, a, a very successful TV, very funny series called Grumpy Old Men, uh, which ran for quite a few series. And for my sins, I was on every single one of them, and I got known as the Grumpy Old Man. Uh-huh. And then a, a big book publisher said, write some books. So I wrote one called Grumpy Old Rockstar, and then another one called uh, Further Adventures of the Grumpy Old Rockstar, which were really successful. So I ended up then, uh, they gave me my own, hosting a, a comedy show uh, for eight years on, on terrestrial TV here, and a few others. And, and it started getting thrown in with the music that I was doing, and... Uh, uh, there was at one stage I was, I was probably better known over here for comedy than I was for actually for music. That sort of balanced itself out much more, thankfully. But it's uh, yeah, it, it's it's weird. So the grumpy old rock star thing stuck, and then when my um, agent in America, he was over in England, he saw one of the one of the uh, one man shows that I do with the music, just with the piano and the anecdotes and the silly stories and things. 
And he said, you've got to bring this to America. And I said, well, I'd love to. You're my agent. Do it. <laughs> so he went, right, I will. And the next thing I know, he's booked all the load of dates, which is fantastic. So your show is both music and stand-up comedy. Yeah. Wow, that's good. Gonna... It's stand-up with a difference, because it's very anecdotal. It's stories uh, about me uh, sort of loosely based on the truth. Uh-huh. I say loosely, because <laughs> yes, it's loosely yes. based on the truth. Now, Rick, uh, what... Um, and uh, with stories, some of which are taken from the, the grumpy books and other things and from the TV things, yeah, it's uh, music and... Music and, and uh, sort of anecdotal stand-up, they go really well together because if, you, if you're playing music and that's, shall we say, for want of a better word, quite serious, then it's, it's really quite nice to uh, sort of counter that with a nice foil of having having some fun. So I like to try and, in this show, have as much, mm-hmm. uh, I suppose, as many emotions as possible. Anything from, you know, people maybe even feeling a bit sad or... or, or being very happy, having laughter. It's great if you can go through as many emotions as possible. Well, the, your album that came out in uh, 2018 was called Piano Odyssey, and you did a, a cover. You did covers of a lot of great old standard rock classics, and, and you do them yeah. in your style, of course. So you're going to be doing your, your the music uh, like that, and then the stand-up. Yeah, there'll be, there'll be a mix. There'll be some from that album, also from the album that came before it called Piano Portraits. Yeah, uh, and it's it's a lot of music from different people I've been involved with over the years, like everybody from sort of Cat Stevens, uh, David Bowie, obviously yes, of course, my own stuff, and a few other yeah. other surprises, uh, um, um, stuff from Lennon and McCartney, and even George Harrison. Yeah, I didn't realize we let them let them be labor on this. Uh Kind of like Edgar Winter, this, John, this that uh, so we long, did uh, yes. recently. Yes, yeah, I blame yeah. I blame the interviewer for this. It's, uh, <laughs> I like taking music that I can play around with. Yeah, you know, and by that I meant learn. Yes, of course. I really enjoy <laughs> doing. So if, uh, all these people just wrote great melodies. Well, so speaking great to be able to do that. And so oh, and you, story. you, you stepped in there uh, and yeah. you tried to get him to move on. I was trying. I, a couple yeah. times I tried to interrupt. I, but, uh, I commend you for that. Sir. It's hard on the phone, you know. Yeah. To go along with it. We're speaking with Rick Wakeman, great keyboardist from the band Yes for a lot of years. Uh, Rick, you've known, you're also known for uh, wearing the, the flowing robes. Um, w- yeah. Will you be wearing some robes at the show on October the sixth? Uh, for the piano show, I've got to be brutally honest with you, no, because you, you can't wear the robes or capes. Even <laughs> sitting on a piano stool wearing a robe, and because <laughs> when he's with Yes, he would be standing, of course, around a right. bunch of different keyboards, and he'd be flying, moving around from and, one and to the next. And that's when I saw him too yeah. with ARW. He was the yeah. same way, standing yeah. up. If you got a cape on, you're just sitting on a stool. <laughs> Looks pretty stupid. <laughs> Can't wear the, the robes or capes when yes. you're uh, playing the piano because they hang over your arms and they weigh a ton. <laughs> well, that's yeah. a, I think so. They weigh a lot. Oh yeah, yeah I bet his uh, would. It, yeah, solid gold. Come yes. on. It, you just you just can't do it because it, it, you'd, you'd ache. I have tried it and, and it's failed miserably. So <laughs> I was going to ask uh, you, Rick. I was going to ask you if there have been any uh, uh, cape mishaps. Um. Yeah, there's, there have been a couple of cases. Uh, when I, I did the original King Arthur in in London, uh, in, in Wembley Arena, uh, I had a new cape and the clasp broke, and it was just held on literally by there were strands of cotton and it weighed a ton, and it was slowly strangling. It, it was, uh, <laughs> and I was sort of 
slowly going backwards and still trying to play. <laughs> and, uh, people said to me afterwards, you, you, you played that piece with so much emotion. <laughs> I, 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 I tell you, I, I, these are big cuts around, around my neck. Uh, yeah, there's, there's been a... There's been a few sort of, a few sort of little, little mishaps over the years, yeah. How many capes do you have, Rick? <laughs> I've got six, uh, five of the original classics I've still got. Mm. And then, uh, Ooh, I've, I've man, got I'd a... love to have one of those, love to own one of those. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, I wonder if you'll ever put those up on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few more made over the, over the years uh, by a new gang. He's great a cape maker uh, by a, new, a, a guy in, in England, a very famous guy for making theatrical costume in. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I suppose in all, I've got six, five, five of the originals, I think, and I'll go about six or seven others. It's about a dozen or so, yeah. Would you ever put those things on display so your fans, since you're not going to be wearing them, since, you know, I'm sure they're just a part of your characterization as much as your talent. I mean, yeah, they'll end up somewhere. Well, wonder, wonder. Yeah, it's. I mean, I still take them out and wear them. I always bring at least two of the classics when I go out with. Hey, wears them when he goes out to eat. <laughs> John and Trevor with AIW, we still they still come out for that. Or if I'm doing. Uh, That's what we gotta start doing, man. We gotta start wearing capes. Let's can, make, can you imagine yeah. somebody walking into McDonald's with a cape on? <laughs> yeah, not, not just like a Batman cape. I'm talking about like a full flowing. Uh, yes, down to your uh, leg, yeah, your yeah, your yeah, feet. Yeah. Re- good in the winter time. Yeah. Recently redid. Not so good in the summer. <laughs> yes, it'd be kind of warm. Going to the center of the earth in 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 London, the festival hall. We did two shows, and uh, they came out for that. So they they do come out. They're not always just locked away. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's really weird. So somebody else said to me the other the other day, uh, just somebody I was just talking to. this you know, have you ever thought of putting on display? And I said. Well, but who the hell would want to come and see them? <laughs> I would. Be surprised. Mm. Yeah. All right then. Yeah. So, so maybe it's something to think about for the future, for sure. Come on, John. That's a good yes question. Come on. Co- come on. Would you really go see the capes, John? If they were on display somewhere? If they were on display, would you take the time out of your day <laughs> to drive from Chesterfield and, <laughs> and, and, and see the capes? Hmm. Probably not. Okay, thank you very much. Speaking with Rick Wakeman of of Yes for a lot of years. And those Yes years, Rick, the music that came from that band from 70 on to uh, like uh, 78, 79, just spectacular. And then, you know, the the concept albums, Close to the Edge, Tales of Topographic Oceans, Relayer. Um, I guess Close to the Edge would probably be the most successful of those three. But take us back in that time period and and how you were able to come up with all that fantastic music with John Anderson and Chris Squires and Steve Howe. Going for the one. You played Close to the Edge on the uh, classic show, didn't I you? I did, yeah. I heard it. Yeah, just recently, heard, yeah. yeah. Whole, whole side, side, uh, side one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A period of time when, to put it bluntly, record companies le- left you alone. Uh-huh. They said, go away and make a record. Yeah. They didn't say, oh, we, we want 12 three-minute songs, or we need the, uh, specialists, or we need it to be guitar-orientated or keyboard-orientated. They just said, go away and make a record. Yeah. And they trusted you to go away and make a record, which is what we... That did. was their first mistake. 
<laughs> because, uh, I mean, and I love Yes, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Close to the Edge is probably my favorite album. But <laughs> after that, uh, the, the other albums, um, oh, uh, Tales of Topographic Oceans, probably a little too far overboard for mm. a lot of folks. You Just know? the title sounds too far, <laughs> far overboard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was very self-enduring f- uh, for them. I mean, they enjoyed the hell out of it, probably. But uh, record companies had to, at some point, look at them and go, what are you doing? We need Tales to more. of Topographic Oceans? Yes, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, Revelation, uh, Revealing Science of God, one of the songs <laughs> on one of the albums. It was after that sort of era that record companies, uh, the, the word that used to put the fear of God into everybody, which was the A&R man. Well, I never had to really quite understood what he did, but they A and R man, as you talk, mm-hmm. referred to album and mm-hmm. album and album oriented. Well, I rock. thought it was artistry and and A and R R R A and R. That was A A O R. No, no, A O R is album oriented rock. That was he's talking about. But he's talking about the A A and R guy. A and R, yeah, yeah, album and records. I don't know. And that was a position. I'll find out, John. That was a position in a record company. I'll find out. Oh, we need this kind of music now. We need this kind of album. We need this from you. And uh, that's ridiculous. It was the equivalent of asking, you know, uh, you know, a quarterback. You know, uh, uh, they wanted him to, you know, uh, the next guy to play baseball or, or basketball or whatever. Yeah. So you can't. You can't do that. Let people do what they're good at. Artists and repertoire. Oh my John. gosh! Never heard it described. A and R guy. A and R from yeah. the record label. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that was the great era, the seventies, the first three quarters of the seventies, where record companies and managements left the bands to make the music they wanted to make, and they got on with managing and selling records and promoting records, and that was what was fantastic. And also, it was another great period of time as well because it was when. Uh, radio stations all around the world, uh, the, the jocks, the presenters, you know, were allowed to play a lot of their own music, what they wanted to play. They would come in with sort of, sort of armfuls of, of, uh, of LPs to play that they'd found and discovered. And uh, that was all over the world. And then everything started to get a bit formatted. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that made life... You know, pretty difficult. I mean, you mentioned Yes earlier. I mean, Yes was was really broken in America by a guy called Ed Sharkey, uh, who was in Philadelphia, and Ed discovered Yes, really, uh, and started playing the, uh, the the records, and then started spreading yeah. around to other stations. Uh, and most of the bands and friends that I have that I talk to, they all all broke in the same way, which is which was by radio stations, a couple of people in there discovering their records and starting to play them. After the 70s, that never happened anymore. Yeah. So the reason that we, I think that pieces like Close to the Edge were so remarkable was we were completely left alone to to do whatever we wanted yeah. to experiment. And I've got to be honest with you, half the time we haven't got a clue what we were doing. You know, let's try <laughs> and do this, let's try and do that. Yeah. How do we make that sound? I mean, there weren't great boxes to make sounds. You had to make them yourself. And this, yeah. it was fascinating. I'll give you a exa- little example. The What we lovingly call the sparkle tape at the beginning of Close to the Edge. 
<coughs> which is made up of everything from what you would call... Do you know that, John? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sparkle I know tape. what he's talking about. Okay. The beginning where it's, 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 it sounds like sparkles. Sparkles. And, yeah, yeah. Singing okay. to little bells, to, to wind, to sea. You name mm-hmm. it. We put so much together to, to make that sparkle tape, uh, which took forever. Wow. We recorded it on, on Revox going out doing things. Yeah, now you just dial it in the computer and it just does it yeah, for it you. Yeah, it does it. Yeah. yeah, but he's, yeah, they had to make stuff. I mean, what's that Led Zeppelin song, uh, where, where they're, the, 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 the backbeat is, uh, is, uh, John Bonham on, uh, on the, on a stool or on a suitcase. Uh, remember the song? I can't think of the name of the song off the top of my head. No, I can't. Yeah, he just, <laughs> you know, he's like, just. I, I, no. Oh, gosh. Uh, it'll come to me later. Then put it all onto multi-track, mixed it down, and then made what I can only describe as the world's biggest loop tape, uh-huh. which went all around the studio. The whole thing took over two weeks. Wow. If you wanted to do it today, you could put it together in a sample in hmm. 20 seconds. Yeah. It's easy. Yeah. But back then, you had to make the sounds. You heard what you wanted, and then you went out and did it. Not at one stage did the record company or major come and say, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Wasting time with little bells and birds. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It was was such a glory time. Yeah. It was was fantastic. And and Rick, Rick. That was the essence of prog rock, which was, we know what the rules are, just go out there and break them. (laughs) Love it. Uh, Yeah, that's a great slogan. We're speaking with Rick Wakeman. Uh, Rick is going to be in town at the Sheldon Concert Hall on October the 6th doing a fantastic show that he's put together, uh, combining comedy, his stand-up kind of comedy work, and and playing his his, uh, covers of great uh, songs, including a lot of Yes songs, including songs from Close to the Edge. You still do, and you and I, I believe. That Close to the Edge album, was that your pinnacle? I do do a version of And You and I. Um, uh, and a few other bits and pieces as well. I mean, the great thing when you're doing a show on your own is you can actually have a huge repertoire list. Yeah. And if suddenly halfway through you think, you know what, I'm going to play something else tonight, and you can do it. You don't have to worry about looking around at a horrified band (laughs) who are looking at you going, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) That's that's the great thing about when you're on your own. The only difficulty when you're on your own is that um, you, you don't have any what I call relaxation moments. When mm. you're in a band, you always have relaxation moments where you can just ease off a little bit because uh, the pressure might be on Trav on guitar or Lou Molina or, or John Anderson, and so you can just relax a little bit. Uh, whereas when you're on your own, there is there is not, none of that. You don't have a moment. And uh, and I use the example sometimes. I mean, if if you've got an itch and you want to scratch it. It's very difficult to do that when you're on your own. Yeah. Oh, just do uh, it. You have to try and work out how you can possibly sort of turn around when no one's looking and, and, and scratch it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. It, hey. It's hard sometimes. I mean, you're trying, John. I, I, I commend you. You know, you, you know, John, as men, we, we have this adage, if it itches, you must scratch it. <laughs> <laughs> is, he, is he talking about like scratching your balls, John? Must be, yes. Yes. Okay. Wakeman is with us. It is. It is. Hey, Rick. Now, I, I noticed over the years when when John Anderson has you know separated from Yes, uh, you always tend to stay with John. I think his vocals and your searing ability on the keyboards, these guys just fit so well together. Why? Why am I overanalyzing that, or is that true that you no, you sought to be with I mean, John? I, I think. Uh, 
you know, with Mike. Because there's another version of Yes that goes out that Steve sure. Howe, mm-hmm. the guitarist, takes out. Yeah. Rick Bateman has had it, wanted nothing to do with that. And either does John Anderson. Yeah. This bands, the most recognizable part of most bands, uh, is, is the vocal. It's the vocal sound. I, I mean, I've used the example. Can you imagine... Um, Led Zeppelin with, with, without Robert's voice, without Robert Plant's voice, or the Who no. without Roger Daltrey. No. Uh, I mean, very difficult for Queen after they lost Freddie, of, of course. But you know, they had there was no no choice but to continue in a different manner. But but basically, you know, the vocal sound is so definitely important. And I've always felt that John, not just his vocal his vocals, but his input in into the into the Yes music. Was, was vital. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, John and I, we left to, to go in, in 1980. <clears throat> we weren't happy with what was happening and we just felt that it was time to, you know, to, you know, to move, move on, which is what we did. Uh, and also in 2005, when John was very ill. Yeah. And, uh, uh Steve, Chris and, and Alan at the time wanted to continue and I felt that it wasn't right. And I, I felt that we should wait till John was uh, healthy again because he really was very yeah. ill. Um, but that didn't that didn't happen. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, no, it, it's it's it, it's. I just I, I know it's hard to put into words. I try and do what I think's right, um, both morally and musically. Yeah, and 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 I saw ARW a couple of years ago here in St. Louis, and you guys were just spectacular, man. Just just hit all the, uh, all right, the high right. points. I mean, we, we're doing a sort of a, I say a farewell tour next year. In, and you saw that show. Oh, I did. Yeah. They, they were great. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I saw it too. Yeah, in fact, I interviewed Trevor Rabin that night, and we featured that interview on the Casey Tapes podcast. That's right. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So look that up if you're listening to yeah, this right Trevor now. Trevor Rabin. Yeah, R-A-B-I-N. Mm-hmm. Uh, shows in 2020 and 2021. Great, which, great. Which may well be our, may, may well be our last, last shows, but we just had a, had great fun on stage. We yeah. really did. Uh, uh, it was. We came every night. We came off with a smile on our face. Yeah, that's really what it's all about. That's right. We're speaking with Rick Wakeman. Rick, you you also were on uh, Space Oddity, David Bowie's Space Oddity. You may or may not still do that song in your live things, but tell us about how that yeah, happened. Yeah, how you I, how you I, got I, on that song? I, I sometimes put, put put it in. It's a great song. I can remember recording in 1969 uh-huh. at Triton. Studios, uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a great song. I mean, David's just a phenomenal songwriter and performer, and uh, I did so much with him over the years. You know, with the Hunky Dory album, and then later on, the Absolute Beginners, I did a bit of Ziggy with him. And uh, uh, in fact, we were we were neighbours for five years in Switzerland when we both lived there, oh. um, and it was. Uh, David Bowie and Peter Frampton went to the same schools. Yeah, their fa- uh, one of their fathers. They they were. Yeah. Introduce them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we spent so much time together in a little club called the Museum Club, putting the world to rights. It was great. I, I miss him a lot. He was a, an amazing influence on me musically. Yeah. And you really also was. you also recorded with Elton John. You're on Madman Across the Water. You know, I try to put it in yeah, perspective. I did, the, I did the organ for that. I mean, Elton, Elton's a great piano player. I mean, he always, cause he's such a great songwriter and a great, great singer. It's often overlooked that what a good piano player he is. He's a great yeah. piano player. But he hates playing organ. Uh-huh. <laughs> really? And uh, we were told, he said, will you come and do the, the organ on, uh, and, and Hartsfield, what it was, on, uh, on, 
on, on the new album. I said, yeah, I'd love to. So we did it in, again at Trident Studios, that was, with uh, all the musicians, all, so about 30 of us in there doing it, which was great, which was great fun to do. Yeah. Well, Rick Wakeman, thank you for joining us here today at KC95. We've been playing your music for a long time, and, and I just uh, I can't believe I'm talking to you, to be honest with you. And I, uh, oh, you're very kind. Thank you. I hope to see you on the 6th, October the 6th. I, yeah, I hope to be there. To say hello. Yes, uh, Rick Wakeman on KC95. Take care, Rick. Thanks a lot. Bye, Rick. Thanks a lot, Lauren. Bye. 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 Living legend, Rick Wakeman. I, that was cool to hear at the end about, uh, he played for Bo, he played with Bowie and he played with Elton John and, uh, yeah. there's probably many others he's played with. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, when you do an interview like this and, and an artist is trying to promote something, you got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And some are long winded about it. Some aren't as much. That's why I thought the early part of the interview was kind of hard to stick with. I'm glad you did because towards the end, we were able to get into some of the good stuff mm-hmm. about what he did in his career with Yes and, and, uh, with uh, David Bowie and, Boy, and yeah. I, I completely forgot that John Anderson was sick back in 2005. Yeah. And that's what kind of started the breakup of Yes mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah, it was some know? sort of lung disease he had. Yeah. And he couldn't sing. He couldn't get the, get the deep breath that he needed right. in order to do. Because his, uh, his vocals, you know, are very um, uh, difficult. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's singing some really tough stuff when, you, when you're singing uh, that progressive music, you know. And, uh, yeah, his voice, as, as he said, John Anderson's voice is so synonymous with yes. Anybody else's voice singing yes songs, I'm just not that interested. Now, he, even the, even the persona is yeah, John yeah. Anderson. Yeah, you right. You know, it's come on. Yeah, and he was, he was a little guy and he, they'd put him on a little bit of a stage to elevate him so he wouldn't look so small. Right. And they'd light him from up above straight down and he'd look up to the lights and he'd sing and he'd raise his hands and he'd look like, wow, uh, like a spiritual figure, you know? Hmm. He was just magical. Well, good, good on Rick Wake for for not going out with somebody else i mean he was yeah. he was loyal and yeah. he was true and and to john and and good on him yeah yeah, yeah. all right thanks for listening uh you can follow me on instagram i'm johnny Hewlett on uh, twitter i'm at stlu man and uh instagram for me casey guy see you later amf the casey tapes with you man and favaz for more on the history of casey go to casey 95.com or the casey mobile app